0: Welcome to the Startup Grind podcast. Startup Grind is the world's largest startup community, inspiring, educating, and connecting millions of entrepreneurs across the globe. These are the stories of disruptors, innovators, and game changers from the fastest high growth companies and venture capital firms in existence. Join us as we unpack their strategies, learn from their mistakes, and grow together. There is no time to wait, so let's begin. This episode is brought to you by Oracle for Startups. Welcome back to Startup Flying Global Podcast. This is Chris Joniu. And today, um, I'm very proud to share um, the story of Skateistan. This story is so incredible that the documentary about the story won an Academy Award. Um, the documentary is called Learning to Skateboard in a War Zone if You're a Girl. Oliver Perkovich, who's our guest today, uh, is the founder of Skaterstan, the first NGO to combine skateboarding with creative education to empower children? The first school was in Afghanistan. He uh, it's been so successful that it is now in uh, also in Cambodia and South Africa. He's got Tony Hawk on the board. It's just insane. And so we go through all the challenges he had, you know, as a foreigner setting up um, this entity in Afghanistan, uh, particularly given you know the. Um, Uh, you know the nuances of of religion that came into play with um, young girls and sports um, in muslim culture Um, so just incredible story and i'm sure you'll love it enjoy welcome oliver been a while my friend
1: how you doing good it has it has been quite a quite a while since we since we last talked exciting to be here with you thanks mate
0: yeah so i've got I've got to I've got to go back here a little bit because um uh, you know for you know we ha- this is a new audience and I want to make sure I you know do the story justice and uh I apologize I'm sure you told the story a million times but then we can get through to all the success you've had recently and the expansion of of, of the operation and everything like that but you started a skate school in Afghanistan uh as a you know and um in in what and so can I can I go back you originally started you were there just traveling the world as an Australian kind of backpacker and you had a few skateboards can you just get into how it all started
1: Yeah the the way that the way that it started was I um my girlfriend at the time uh got a job in Afghanistan um we were we were living in Morocco at the time I'd sort of been yeah move, moving around uh, and yeah had left Australia two years earlier and She got the job in Afghanistan, and I thought that that was super exciting and uh, followed followed her there two thousand and seven and I was looking for a job i had a had a couple of uh, skateboards with me in case I could find some friends to skateboard with. Um, I'd be, I've been a skateboarder since I was just before my sixth birthday and, uh, I just turned 46. So that's 40 years on a skateboard. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, at the, at the time it was, uh, yeah, skateboarding in the, in the streets of Kabul. Um, and I, I didn't go to Afghanistan with the idea of starting a, an NGO or a skate school or anything like that. It was, uh, I really just was... Intrigued by the country and wanted to wanted to go there and check it out. And uh, when I was there, I was skateboarding in the streets, and uh, kids were really interested in the skateboard. And what made me interested was that half the population in Afghanistan is under the age of fifteen, so really young, dem really de- young demographic overall in the country, and young people just really wanting something different to. Mm. And, and being sick of the the violence and the lack of economic prospects and everything that went with it and yeah they uh they were interested in my skateboard and i was also interested to see that girls were also wanting to wanting to skate and because girls didn't play football or women weren't driving cars Girls weren't riding bicycles. All of those things were seen as activities just for men. When, as soon as girls were sk- on my skateboard, I was blown away. I was like, "Why? Oh, how is this possible?" And then there, there were just no rules about um, girls not skateboarding because it just uh, wasn't known. And so, after running uh, a whole lot of sessions with uh, with with these kids in the in the streets and really encouraging the girls as much as possible. Um, the, the, I, I got to know the kids much much better, and a lot of them didn 't actually go to school. They were working in the streets, begging, um, making money however they could for their families and but they didn 't have a chance to be educated and um, so I try to help a couple of these kids um, get back to school, especially a girl, uh, Fazilla at the time. And that was then this link between skateboarding and education. And I thought, well, maybe this could go get bigger and and get bigger. So I started to imagine, well, how would it be? And also thinking about how would it be possible for girls over the age of 10 or 11 to also keep on skateboarding? So they could skateboard in the streets up to that, up to puberty. But after puberty, they'd have to be be separated out Um Boys and girls can't um can't really hang out with each other anymore then, mm. so that's when I thought about well an indoor facility would be would, it would be possible for these teenage girls to continue to to skateboard if there was no male presence and so that's where the concept of the skate school was was born, and uh, we worked on um me and a team of volunteers at the time worked on just. Uh, building the very first skate school in Kabul and we did that um, together with the Afghan Olympic Committee on their on their grounds and uh, October 2009 we opened the, the Skater Stand Skate School in Kabul and yeah it was definitely the best day of my life it was awesome. absolutely incredible just uh, getting there and uh, I simply had a quota system of uh, there was 300 uh, space for 360 students and um, half of them had to be girls and uh, so uh, we, we grew from there and today's um, skateboarding is the largest sport for girls in Afghanistan um, wow. well we've, we've grown to northern Afghanistan Zara Sharif we've got a school three times the size of the one in Kabul and that actually has the highest concentration of female skateboarders anywhere in the world. There's, like, there's nowhere else that 700 girls come to the same spot and skateboard every week, anywhere, Holy except for mazar sharif And, uh, yeah, we're in uh, South Africa, in, in Johannesburg. We're in, we've got a skate school in Phnom Penh in, in Cambodia. And uh, we're building a brand new, a third skate school in Afghanistan in, in Bamiyan. So that, that sort of brings it all back to the, that first photo that you saw from, from Bum Yard that, that caught your attention. Absolutely. And, and
0: can, I just, can I just backtrack a little bit, right? So prior to this, and we're going to get into how it kind of unfolded for sure, but prior to this, what kind of job were you looking for in Afghanistan?
1: I was, I was looking for a research-type job, my, my girlfriend at the time worked for Afghanistan Research and Evaluation Unit. Um, I'd worked um, previously uh, at RMIT University in Melbourne um, as, a, as a researcher in emergency management. Um, so floods and fires and natural disasters, stuff like that. And, uh, but I mean, I've done lots and lots of different jobs. My degree is actually in chemistry, so nothing to yeah. do with any any of that and uh, I was I was open to I was I was open to different uh, different different opportunities Um, I guess I had a pretty good uh, background in in statistics so I was uh, looking at maybe how I could use that that skill Um, but I, I was looking for a research type job but I guess I created a job for myself instead. Well, that's, that's what...
0: Yeah, that's what I want to kind of... Where I was going was, like, you know, you kind of floating around Afghanistan looking for something completely different. Was it just kind of... Did it all just kind of hit you as a, as a calling? Or is that kind of look, looking back more, you know, more clear? Or, you know, like... Or was it something where you just, like, hang on, there's something really here early on? Well, I
1: th- I really believe... That um, a lot of um, entrepreneurial pursuits uh, come from a deep sense of discontent or not being not being happy with a certain situation, and yeah. wanting to really wanting to do something do something about it, and um, that i think that that was that was brewing in me for quite quite some time where i really wanted to find something um that yeah i i i wasn't i wasn't happy about i wasn't happy about a lot of things i wasn't wasn't happy about the um the the types of uh Types of organisations that I've um, worked in, in, in different jobs, um, I wasn't wasn't happy with lots of the speed of social pro- problems being um, being being solved. Um, I cared deeply about and believed deeply in education, and believe in the in the potential of youth to actually change the world for the better. And so I was able to put a lot of that frustration and drive that into into the into the start of start of Stand. I started to see some things that I was actually really excited about and that then led me to just keep on keep on going going with it. But I think that it came from a, a source of great frustration.
0: And and was it
1: you know, like this was
0: um, well, did you ever kind of feel in 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 danger? You know, like was there like the you know, perhaps you know apprehension? You know, you said with the with the girls being able to do sports, you know, from you know uh, um, religious beliefs and and everything that you know the legacy that was that was there. Um, can you just talk about how you kind of? Um, I guess, pieced it together and, and, and overcome like, I guess, tradition.
1: So, yeah, I think, I mean, I'd, I'd read a, a lot about Afghanistan before going there and I knew that it was, uh, um, it was, a, you know, somewhat of a, somewhat of a war zone. Um, it was a dangerous, dangerous place that, um, where, where bad things could, could happen. But um, I also saw a lot of I also saw a lot of potential, and um, I'd I'd grown up in Papua New Guinea. Um, I'd worked in uh, I worked in Alice Springs and in Indigenous communities. I'd seen quite a lot of difficult situations or been in lots of difficult situations, and that sort of a place that I'm I'm comfortable. So, <laughs> where a lot of people around me in, in Kabul, uh, foreigners, and were were uncomfortable and confused by the by the environment. That was really uh, that was really an environment where I could I could thrive. Um, I think I I really liked the complexity of it. And while I wasn't naive to the, to the dangers, um, there was, there was definitely, uh, it was, it was was exciting. It was an exciting place to be, to be in, in, to arrive in Kabul in 2007. And um, I, I, I just started to piece small things together. Firstly, that it really made sense to work with young people, and and do something through them that um, girls needed to have equal access to um, to opportunities for the for the country to grow. I was absolutely convinced of that, and I I then saw be, before my eyes skateboarding being one potential pathway to to doing that. And that didn't that didn't make sense to a lot of other people. <laughs> like, why the hell are you skateboarding? Mm-hmm. With kids in Afghanistan, isn't that the last thing that they need? And for me, it was the first thing because it was a, it was a potential stepping stone onto education, onto making connections with the rest of the world, onto understanding how to express yourself, and um, you know, learning how to fall down and and get back up again, which uh, Afghans are actually really really good at, but they they don't always and especially girls and women aren't given those opportunities to um to try to try things out so it it was a it was a step-by-step process and i often describe it as feeling my way in the dark i mean i most of the time i didn't have a grand i didn't have a grand plan at all it was just hey this is working why not do some more of it and um the the, the the really clever thing that I did was that I really made sure that I kept on listening to the kids. And it was the kids, it was the girls at the start that were telling me, hey, we want a skateboard. And as crazy an idea as it seemed to me and to others, that was what they wanted to do. So that's what I gave them. And then they said they wanted to go to school. So I don't know how to get you back to school, but I'll give it a go. And then uh, them saying, "Well, we want to keep on skateboarding when we turn 12 and 13, but our parents won't allow it because there's boys around." And I was like, "Well, I don't know what I can do about that, but I'll try." And we built an indoor indoor facility. And uh, then that next step was they were coming to skate, skater stands programs, which was skate and create, like an hour in the classroom doing more um, arts based uh, arts based creative curriculum and one hour of skateboarding. And they said we love coming to Skaterstand, but we also want to go to regular school. So we um, created a accelerated learning program called Back to School, and did three years of primary school in one year at, at Skaterstand, and got them back into the regular school system as well. And we've got hundreds of children back into the into the school system in Afghanistan in this way. So the skateboard was that first connecting. Uh, device of the kids with all of these other opportunities and nobody, nobody could see that. Even I couldn't see that, but um, that's what the kids, that's what the kids wanted and I listened to them and, and it, and it kept on growing. And can I,
0: yeah, look, I should have, you know, prefaced the conversation with the, um, you know, excuse my ignorance, right? Because I don't, i know nothing about afghanistan and i've only you know my perceptions are you know formed from media right so i have no idea here so please you know pull me up if i if i sound like an idiot from you know um um any time regardless of whether it's afghanistan or business but uh, uh you know i just wanted to to say that
1: yeah no, I mean it's that that's something that I've got experience with, and um, I'm I'm happy to uh, <laughs> I'm happy to share at least my perspective. And of course, I don't. These uh, are there's uh, there's, um, there's there's always there's always people that know more about a, a about a certain situation, and that's a I don't know. I, I think I've always had a very similar. Um, uh, a similar attitude to that. If I if I didn't know something in class in primary school, I'd put my hand up and I was the kid that said, hey, I don't actually understand that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I, I think it's a very it's a very healthy perspective.
2: A startup finds the computing power to help customers big and small make smarter, more cost effective decisions about their utilities. Hi, it's Mike Stiles, and this is Meet the Startups for the week of December 16th, brought to you by Oracle for Startups. Time and money, two things that are valuable to just about every one of us. So any startup that helps save either of those things is in a pretty good position. Figbee is just such a startup. Residential and commercial customers use its platform to manage utility purchasing, pay bills, and keep an eye on costs. For example, an industrial concern can turn to it to identify the best electricity contract. An individual can use it to help watch over an elderly family member's utilities. The end result? An easy process that optimizes any customer's time and budget. But to run a platform that extensive, a scalable, secure way to process transactions with easy connectivity was needed. Figbee chose Oracle's Autonomous Transaction Processing. It's a simpler way to secure and operate high-performance databases. Provisioning, configuring, tuning, scaling, patching, encrypting, repairing, all automated. For Figbee, that means a savings of 10 hours a month and the power to tackle data-intensive projects. Meet the startups, ask Figbee founder Mike Brasevan what Oracle's autonomous transaction processing adds to their value proposition. It's allowed us to develop all of the internal systems that we need to take in customer data, receive bills, process payments for customers, and serve them the way we want to, and save them a lot of money while also raising money for local charities. Without Oracle ATP, I'm not sure how we would have gotten all that done. Who's providing the technology power behind your startup? Take a look at Oracle Startup Program at oracle.com slash startup.
0: Okay, so now like, was was it so you kind of pieced together and it sounds like it, you know, it fell into place. And was it then, you know, kids, you know, seeing, you know, their education was improving. So then you had the, you know, the argument for the parents that were skeptical and that, you know, kind of, you know, Close the gap on 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 on, um, on any skepticism on the way through.
1: There, there was always that. That's an ongoing process to mm-hmm. get the parents on board and to get communities behind what we're um, what we're doing. It's not going to always make sense to to everybody, and you can't win everybody over. But um, if you keep on prioritizing it which we do then it's possible to keep on keep on operating so we do a lot of home visits um, uh, visiting and talking to the parents of uh, our students to explain what they've been learning what they're doing how things are, how things are going um, and it's the the parents are really really key in terms of opportunities that their children then will will have so that's a that's an ongoing um that's an ongoing challenge and there's of course a lot of uh, a lot of people in afghanistan that don't necessarily think that what we're doing is um the right thing but we 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 try to we try to listen to the kids yeah. as much as possible and convince the parents
0: <laughs> and, and and was there like and I imagine there's just been some, 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 you know, some standout stories that kind of, you know, keep you going in what, what must be some, you know, stressful times. And we'll get on to you know, the other, you know, going into other countries and stuff, but is there some kind of, some big wins that you you'd love like to share where you, you, you just kind of look back, you know, fond memories and go, that really worked that, you know, that, that, you know, that child went on to do this, whatever it is that, you know, you kind of, hold
1: near and dear to your heart I, I'm really um, re- really stoked on one of the one of the street working kids that I first skateboarded with in in 2008 um, on the streets of Kabul Norzai he he was always he was a very talented skateboarder but um, was uh, you know a little bit a little bit more in the background, um, but he was yeah he was keen keen to learn and uh, he, he came on and was a, was an educator at skater standing in kabul and and helped the helped grow the programs there and then when we established in in northern afghanistan Mazar sharif he went up he went up there as a 16 and a half year old le- leaving his family that was a big really big move for him and uh, he he then also uh, when he was old enough enrolled in uh university there he did a law degree wow. he continued his work with with skater and he's taught thousands of children um in the north of the country and and built up the programs there and uh yeah i'm really excited to to see where that where that goes goes next but yeah he he was you know i met him as a as a 10 year old kid in rags who would you know be be walking up and down at Enormous hill where his his parents lived way up on a. Um, Kabul is is very mountainous, mm-hmm. and the the mountains around Kabul go up to four thousand meters. Um, Kabul itself's at one thousand six hundred meters, and a lot of these poor families they don't have running water and they don't have things, and so he was just continuously running up and down, um, fetching water and doing different errands just to keep his his family um, going as a as a ten year old, eleven year old, and um, extremely extremely poor background, and what he's been able to able to do with it, um, and, and grow the grow the program in Afghanistan to, to what it what it is today is really I'm really proud of that.
0: It's, it's incredible. And um, sounds like that's a a movie. I know we're going to get on. There's been a documentary as well. Was there any um, successes that came out? I imagine there's quite a few that came out from the from the skateboarding side.
1: Yeah, I mean, the um, on on getting really good at skateboarding is not necessarily something that we that is a huge focus. We see it more as a more as a stepping stone and as something that is part of our educational mix. Yeah, it's it's difficult to for for a kid in Afghanistan to be. Let me
0: let me let me lead you a bit, Ollie, because I'm thinking about a particular. There was but there was this um, some of the team traveling to first like be the first from Afghanistan to skate in different events, right?
1: Ah yes, they did. They went to and that was uh, Norzai who I was just uh, talking about before. He was then the coach of the of the Afghan Afghan team and they they competed in in China in um one of the lead up for the Asian Asian Games and yeah, represented represented Afghanistan um and uh yeah, Norzai came Second, I, I I think, and then one of the um one of the other girls that were on that team also also placed. So yes, absolutely. <laughs> cool, cool. <laughs> you, you're uh you're you're absolutely absolutely man. right.
0: Don't worry about it, don't worry. And then okay, so let's let's talk quickly about the um um okay, so Afghanistan's working, you know, you've got this quite unique um proposition and I do want to talk into the business stuff because we, you know, we started with a conversation around, you know, um, you know, consumers, businesses wanting to, you know, be part of of something bigger and having purpose. Um, uh, but before we get into the you know the the, the benefits of supporting something like skaterstone um you know as a corporate entity, as a startup, whatever whatever else, can you just talk a little bit about the expansion of um, the program Uh, outside of afghanistan
1: first um expansion part was to um go to cambodia and um there was a, a guy benji who was there that was working in an ngo and thought that skateboarding could be a really great part of the the programs that he was running there so we started that through through benji and then we realized that it had a lot of potential and we We established our own our own skate school there and um tin who's our uh, general manager in in Cambodia she's actually gone over to the u s and um, uh competed in in competitions skateboard competitions as well and uh, she got uh, she actually won one of the one of the competitions over there, so that was that was really that was really cool cool to see and to see the the growth of the of the programs in in, in Cambodia. We we get a lot of uh, focus on working with children with disabilities there, and we've uh, also built uh, a small skate park in a, in a deaf school, and uh, there's also been so in Khmer sign language. They've added the word for skateboarding, or the sign for skateboarding. So that's uh, that's uh, with yeah. Without video, I can't I can't show you what that sign is, but (laughs) it does it does exist, and that's been really exciting to see that um, see that grow. We've also got really large, um, deaf and blind um, programs uh, in in northern Afghanistan in Mazar Sharif and uh, that's, that's been really, really cool to see our staff learn sign language so that they can, can work with the, the children with disabilities and, and see that grow. And then uh, our last expansion project was um, Johannesburg in South Africa and uh, that opened 2015. And uh, that's, that's, that's been growing, growing really, really fast. Um, and actually, last week was the the second largest um, participations that we that we had. They've they've gone through a lot with um, uh, COVID-19 restrictions this, this year, but uh, yeah. we're able to to run remote programs and, and and see that all see that all grow. Another part of our growth involves sharing of knowledge. So a um, couple of couple of years ago, we realised that a lot of these a lot of social skate projects were popping up all over the world, um, inspired by Skaterstan, and um, they reached out to us for help. They saw us as leaders in the area, and we didn't always have bandwidth to be able to just go and help other projects um, in the way that we wanted to. So we established something called Good, the Good Push Alliance. Mm-hmm. Goodpush.org, and it's essentially to share our knowledge, everything that we know, with as many people as possible. So, essentially, we're um, empowering our competitors directly, and we see this as the right thing to do um, because we want to see as much social impact in the world and we want to have as much social impact as possible. So, our knowledge. In how to run programs in extremely difficult locations is valuable knowledge for others others to know, and we don't need to be the only ones working in that way. Um, we want to be we want to be the leaders in the in the space, and uh, we we do that by by sharing what we know. And so we now have um, we've identified over two hundred social escape projects globally. Uh, we're in direct contact with about 100 and 160 of them in um, 55 countries. Wow. And um, that's that's grown extremely fast. Um, so we help them with all types of things, how to register as a legal entity, how to set up your finance, how to do HR, how to um, run programs, uh, how to be running inclusive programs for um, children with disabilities for having girls inclusion um how to uh yeah how to how to run educational uh programs and link them with skateboarding so all of those all of those things um have, have been part of good push and that's grown really uh really fast so
0: um so south africa now can i talk about um you know friends that have helped along the way and, and what i mean by that is um corporates um you know some you know some partners and and also just i want i'd love to hear share the story about how tony hawks got involved and i know there's another um you know a few famous um famous uh, skateboarders and 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 celebrities now you know helping to push skater star now can you talk a little bit about the friends along the way
1: sure yeah i think that um you know really really starting in um end of end of um 2007 um wanting to then do something a little bit more serious and try to get some skateboards along there was a friend from melbourne barnaby that uh, was working at the skateboard dis- um skateboard distributor black box at the at the time, and he he got involved and helped with uh, getting the um, getting the first skateboarding equipment. Uh, running a running a fundraiser at um, at Bar 303 um, in in Melbourne. Uh, that was that was super cool. Running the fundraiser and then going back over. And then I guess through Black Box, Jamie Thomas, who's a, a really famous pro skateboarder um that was that was exciting to me because he was he was my hero as a you know when i was a younger skateboarder in my 20s and then to have my hero back me um in in that way was that was a big that was a big deal <laughs> and that, oh, yeah, that really cool. uh that that was that was really that was really exciting then the the, the first diff, different pieces came, came together. Um, there, was, there was a friend, Basia, who was um, an Afghan that had lived in Germany for quite a while, and I speak German. So um, I was able to, to be friends with him, and he introduced me to the president of the Olympic Committee and, and created that, that connection uh, for me, um, being featured in the New York Times. We, we got the front page of sports and um, uh, that was that was a big that was a big deal i got i don't know something like 5000 emails after that article article came out and took me six months to actually get through all of them and uh, i think that that was also the first time that um tony hawk became aware of of skater stan and and inspired by the story and then through a Another contact that I made through that, um, through that New York Times article, um, Brian Ridgway, um, based in California, he used to be uh, Tony's manager back in the 80s uh, for Tracker Trucks. And uh, he introduced me to Tony. And I, I, after a while, I, I plucked up the courage to ask, ask Tony to join our advisory board which he said yes to and that was that was super super exciting to 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 have that so yeah i think that the 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 afghan olympic committee was a was a really great um connection uh general akbar in who who was who was the president at the time i was able to do a lot of things with him as well Try to try to then help him encourage more women in sports in the in the country and uh, that was and and he also helped me gave me a lot of security in terms of being able to operate within the Olympic Committee even though skateboarding wasn't an Olympic sport yet (laughs) it's only just becoming an Olympic sport now but things work a little bit differently in Afghanistan so um, that was that was really that was really cool well, it and, sounds
0: like uh, uh, Afghanistan is going to be well represented in skateboarding.
1: Yeah, we're <laughs> uh, we're uh, we we're, we're definitely we're definitely working working on that. So that's uh, and actually at the start of this start of this year, the International Olympic Committee um, awarded Skateistan the um, 2020 Women in Sport Award. So that was a really really big deal. Um, that that happened that happened this year, and uh, yeah, the International Olympic Committee has been really fantastic supporters of of Skaterstan for, for quite some quite some time now, which is amazing. So,
0: I wanted to get onto like you know what's next for Skaterstan um, but I do want to quickly sidetrack to um, the film or the documentary. I remember seeing something about it and winning uh, some quite prestigious awards. Did I get that right?
1: Yes. Yeah, so um, yeah, we uh, worked on a on a on a film since two thousand and sixteen uh, called Learning to Skateboard in a War Zone if you're a girl, and it has won a whole lot of awards. It first uh, won at Tribeca, and then it won a BAFTA in in the UK and then it went on to actually win the academy award at the at the start of this year so Whoa. i was at the oscars <laughs> and, and skater Stan got got announced as the winner of the 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 short documentary uh category and that was that was absolutely mind blowing that's um, insane so, yeah, to be to be there at the Oscars, um, I went together with uh, with Tony Hawk, and of course he got to go on the red carpet, so I snuck onto the red carpet with him as well, and it <laughs> <laughs> was a, was a good uh, it was a it was an ex- extremely surreal experience. Um, so um, really, really, really cool. And uh, that that's given Skater Stan a whole lot of publicity um, after the after the Oscar Oscar win, and then of course COVID hit um, just uh, in in I mean it was already sort of hitting in February, but uh, we didn't. Uh... Funnily enough, there was a space for Tony Hawk to attend the Oscars because the um, South Korean team that was part of the parasite movie actually had covid and they couldn't make it there and that created spaces so then tony oh could
0: It's crazy. You're in you're yeah. in mate these guys can't make it. <laughs> it's terrible. Totally.
1: It's been so that, uh that was a, a huge boost at the at the start of the year and then then if, uh, and that really helped us um, get through a, a very difficult, difficult year this year as well. So that was, that was good, good timing to win an Oscar. Yeah, it's hard to, you know, hard to think because when, you know, so we're now finally
0: in, you know, I'm, I'm doing the call here from Melbourne where we were in lockdown like six, you know, six months hard and, and, you know, thankfully it's, it's worked in our favor. We haven't had a case, zero cases for like the last 10 days. So, Amazing. Um, yeah, I'm in a different headspace, and I forget sometimes what the world's dealing with. But I remember feeling the other way around when everyone was kind of free to to, to go about their business or going, you know, from Lisbon to Greece or whatever. And I'm like, "We're in." I'm in my garage. <laughs> I'm not getting out yeah. anytime soon. Uh, I can go to one shop a day or you know whatever. Um, well, hopefully, you know, hopefully, you know, it it picks up again soon. Um, I wanted to. To quickly thank you i do want to try and connect you with a couple of past guests i'm gonna i'm gonna start picking on new i'm gonna pick on lamer and, and and i'm trying to think whoever we, uh maybe uh, our friends at valuable 500 that's another one oliver they they do a lot of work in, in in disability inclusion and she's just a superstar um so yeah try and connect some dots and get get the next help with the next skater Stone skate school and um yeah really love what you're doing it's been super inspirational to to watch you grow and watch this business grow and um yeah i'm in awe man from the sidelines so just really appreciate you and what you're doing
1: thanks thanks so much chris it's been uh fantastic to get to get to chat to you whenever we've been able to to connect and um yeah looking looking forward to yeah connecting the dots going going forward right now we've got actually we're starting today we've got a um a, a fundraiser for um our brand new school in bamyan afghanistan starting so yeah please let please let everybody know about the, the about that perfect um, is
0: that like a go fund me thing what are- I don't want to stuff it's, a, up, it's a
1: campaign that's on our on our webpage so um, on skaterstand.org so that'll be that'll that'll be up later later today and and that'll run through until uh, December 31st so love to have uh, support from Australia and uh, and the rest of the world for for our our brand new school in um in Bamyan Afghanistan so this is central Afghanistan and that's where the the Taliban blew up the the tallest Buddha statue and our, our school actually looks out over onto onto that onto that Buddha niche. So really uh, really really amazing spot and be amazing to have everybody's support. Done.
0: Done. Well this is going out this is going out globally and um, yeah hopefully we can help in the lead up to, to holidays and stuff. Thank you very much. I'll be chat soon mate.
1: Thanks so much Chris.
0: Thank you for tuning in. To keep up to date with all things Startup Grind, visit us at startupgrind.com or join us at any event in a city near you. Until next time, chase the vision and keep hustling.